Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Guys at a Mic Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Friday, 4th of July weekend here in the fine city of Chicago. Plenty of sports to talk about. We'll jump off the sports page as per usual. The big dog and the coach coming at you right up until 11 o'clock. They only give us 57 minutes and 30 seconds. But part of those 57 minutes and 30 seconds have to be dedicated to the enjoyment of arguably the finest music that the Talk Zone Airwaves have to offer. Nothing like listening to the Talk Zone music, Big Dog, and watching the highlights of the women's Wimbledon semifinals on the TV. That's a nice combination of a little music and the women of Wimbledon, not a band combo to start off your Friday. How are you, Big Dog? Uh, I've definitely been better, Coach. Uh-oh. I got phone issues, and, and nowadays phone issues amounts to the same as car issues, you know, used to for people. But, you know, luckily I got a lot of friends taking care of me. They all work for Verizon, taking very good care of me. So uh, it was able to be situated and figured out before uh, mm-hmm. we came here on the TalkStorm.com to do the two guys in the mic. And I had to dial the regular number, 888-463-6748, Coach. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know what the regular number was. I may have lost all my contacts. So if I don't call you ever again, it's not because I don't love you. <laughs> oh, man, you mean you lost the dreaded SIM card? Well, no, 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 no. Like, we don't have SIM cards. Um, you don't? It's, no, the uh, Verizon phones don't have that. You, you really? have to transfer your contact. Interesting. So um, the issue is, is my battery is running out. Mm-hmm. And there's a problem with the charging port. So once the juice is done, my phone is over with, gone, kaput. So, it's, uh, yeah, I, just, I have issues. Like, right now, other people are worried about, like, their children, you know, like, how they're going to get their mortgage. And I'm worried about my contact. <laughs> and your phone. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, are, so are you calling in via the same phone that you normally do? Because I know it can throw your game off if, you, if you're on no, a different... No, Cloudy hooks me up with some other type of, like, space-age-looking phone. So, oh, I, I was... That's okay. uh, he, he, he the amount of work, he, you know, this was off day, and I think he helped did more customer service today than he does typically on a mm-hmm. normal day of work. So. Cloudy, by the way, for those new to the show, Joel's a roommate slash pool guy. I don't know if you go in that order, but uh, that's that's kind of the combination. And I, I still love the fact that a guy named Cloudy cleans your pool. I think that's a beautiful and, and, thing. And well-respected Verizon salesman. So if you need us, yes. if you live in Wheaton, you yes. go into the, the local Verizon, you ask for Cloudy, and he'll hook yeah. you up. Really? Is there any other kind of Verizon salesman besides the well-respected kind? There's, there's a couple like semi-respected. Yeah, I was gonna say. Which, I think your pause, the pause, and that after that question spoke a thousand words. Well, both of us are going to be a little off our game today because, you know, we are creatures of habit. We get used to you know the same thing. The field goal kicker's got to have his regular holder. The uh, you know the baseball player's got to have his favorite bat or his favorite glove. You're playing without your phone. I am playing without my favorite uh, device that keeps me going here, and that would be my cup of coffee out of my favorite mug. Had it poured, Big Dog. Also, a nice hot cup of coffee to come to the studios here. Left it at home. And it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but honestly, I find it tough to do the show without. There's um, 
it, not only the caffeine kick, but it's the, it's the habitual, the sip that gets I, me. It's hard to describe, but it's hard to play without your, uh, you know, things you're used to. I understand what you're talking about. And now that I know that you don't have a caffeine kick, I'm more than willing, you know, to, you know, to give you a little bit of extra energy, coach, if, if that's mm-hmm. what you need. And, you know, and, you know, it's funny. You talk about the, the habit. It is, there is something about the habit because, uh, you know, when people quit smoking, you know, they're more likely to, they need to, ha- have to do something with their hand and their mouth in mm-hmm. order for them not to, uh, you know, to make it easier for them to quit. Yeah, it, there really is something to that. I, I, that might sound crazy, but that's part of the habit. It isn't just the actual nicotine addiction, the chemical addiction. It's also the habit of actually performing the act. Ladies and gentlemen, habitual uh, psychologist and human reaction expert Joel Redwanski joining us here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. You wear a lot of hats on this show, Big Dog. It's unbelievable. And I know you're somewhat reluctant to take them on, but I got to give you credit. You, uh, you know, from geography and world history to, you know, Tour de France, I throw things at you all the time, like the World Cup, for example. World Uh Cup. I I named you our World Cup soccer expert last week. You gave us Japan as a team to watch. Japan is 2-0. They beat a good Mexico team 4-0. You were right on another hat that you wear so well, my friend. Hey, Coach, I just want to let you know, I was, I'm was i watching that <laughs> Japanese team very closely. Yes, hopefully not very too closely. closely. Uh, the, the problem is, I, I'm the only guy, I mean, like, I want them to do well, but I, the, the way these girls have handled the whole tsunami thing, and yes. and uh, it's, it's been really cool, okay? And a lot of them, a couple of them had family members die. Isn't that unbelievable? Mm-hmm. How could that happen? How is that possible mm-hmm. in a country with that many people? You know what I mean? That you know, it directly affected. Back home, it's awesome to watch these girls play right now. Yeah, it's, it is. I watched the first game; it was phenomenal. Yeah, well, you had mentioned what a uh, technically you know outstanding team there, and Japan was like the the third level of favorites. But right now, they are they are the surprise team of the World Cup. But on a bigger picture, uh, you know, getting back to your original point, I think that's one of the great things sports can do, particularly world international competition. Is you know not on a major level, but at least at some minor level, bring better understanding through countries together, countries that you may have hated, had prejudice against, heard bad things against. You watch, you know, their their soccer team, their basketball team, and the camaraderie and the sportsmanship upon which they play. Sometimes it can give you a different view of a country, and even more importantly, Big Dog, a sports team's performance could pick up, even if just temporarily, the spirit of an entire country. Japan may do that with their soccer team. And, uh, you know, you're going to like where I start with this. I know you're not going to like where I end up, but you'll eventually like where I go with it in the long run. Oh, boy, that's... In 2002, the Iraqi soccer team, the men's soccer team in the World Cup. Do you remember that? Yes, absolutely. I I, I don't ever remember ever rooting for any Middle East country in anything. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we're about to go to war with uh, Iraq. And you see these guys who want nothing to do with the... The Saddam Hussein administration. They, there's talk about one of the guys had their hand cut off and was killed when he had an own goal. You know, it's, yeah, I was, and all I was of a sudden they're making a run the World Cup, and America is like gets behind. You know, Iraq is. Uh, they were like, hey, maybe if you guys acted like this more often, you could have some success as a country. You know what I mean? It was almost like a slap in the face to Saddam Hussein. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember how? If you weren't behind the Iraqi soccer team, you didn't get the point. It was like putting a finger right in Saddam Hussein's face. Yeah, absolutely. Really I, I recall that. And part of the weirdness of rooting for, part of the reason we rooted for him was you were afraid that if they messed up or if they lost, 
you know, we might never hear from these guys again. You talk about playing under the uh, under pressure. Yeah. What, what was what was the what was the son's name like? Fody. It wasn't Dodie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was that guy. Who oh, was, that was one of the. Yeah, he was in charge of the international soccer team. He was as sick as his dad. Yeah, yeah, he maybe worse. He was trying to impress it. He was yeah. like, you know, there was Doctor Evil. It was he was mini me. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I can't imagine playing under that kind of pressure where you know if you mess up or you lose a game, you know, that might be the uh, end of your very existence. But uh, yeah, so many examples where teams can. Uh, well, we saw it here in the country with the New Orleans Saints, right? Where it absolutely lifted up the spirits of the people that uh, had just gone through those horrible floods in New Orleans. So sports can do that on very uh, rare occasions. You, you know, let's give a little kudos to those New Orleans Saints, because not only did they go out there and play their butts off and, uh, you know you know what I mean, and perform like with, with passion and inspiration, those guys also went into the neighborhood and helped people rebuild their home. Yep. You know what I mean? And went out there and played catch with kids. You know what I mean? That obviously, you know, I mean, that, that might sound simple, but... Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, it goes beyond even going out there and playing hard. Though. Get a little heavy, get a little philosophical. Here we do that at times. Are the two guys at a mic show, you want to get heavy, philosophical with us, feel free to do so. Or you want to lighten the mood a little bit, you can do that too. Give us a call, sports questions, uh, comments, etc. More than welcome, 888-463-6748. Again, 888 Big Dog, I am headed down to the uh, Taste of Chicago today. They said it's supposed to be like a... 100 degrees outside, but I got in my car this morning about 9.30 in the morning, and it's it's a cool 74, so I'm not sure where we're going there. But uh, I will be visiting the Taste. Any suggestions for me? Um, yeah, wear a body condom. <laughs> a lot of groping going on. Yeah, they're, they're, you got to be careful of that, Coach. Yeah. Uh, and um, other than that, I think you should be all right, Coach, mm-hmm. really. All right. How about food-wise, any uh, suggestions that you could make. I don't know if there's any uh, new food. To, when's the last time you've been down to the taste? A couple years? Well, I, you know, I used to go every summer because I worked for Valley and I would sell, uh, I would sell mm-hmm. memberships down there. That's right. You were up on stage. Weren't you up on stage jiggling like in a bikini a couple times? Or a Speedo, I should say? It was a one-piece, yeah, Coach. So okay. I know where the two-piece. Yeah. That was on the, uh, I think, stage seat, which has never been quite the same since. And nobody ever wanted to see what they saw on stage seat. You know, people criticize it, but studies will show you, Big Dog. After you did your uh, shake, rattle, and roll in the um, on stage C, you look at the Bally's membership the next couple of months, arrow pointing up. You paint the picture. It, it, it's funny what uh, the United States <laughs> government will throw funding at. <laughs> and that research was a little bit, that was strange. <laughs> oh, goodness. Say the least. Yeah. So you got to, the best way, you got to get foods on the sticks. You know what I'm saying? You can't sit down. There's no tables to sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to get like a piece of lasagna that's absolutely delicious. What are you going to do? Kneel on the ground and actually you know some guy that's, that's right. all drunk because he's had too many there's $9 beer steps on your lasagna. Some you solid I mean? helpful advice. You're not only looking for food you want to eat, but food that is easily edible in a walking upright position. Because I say, oh, again, I'm getting the ribs at, at, uh, at, uh, Taste Chicago. I mean, yeah. I understand rib fest. You know, you go to Rip Fest in April, they got tables for you to sit down. Now, you don't want to sit down there because once you sit down, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. you got to actually have somebody come by with some Vaseline and from the barbecue sauce <laughs> that's stuck on the table. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's not so bad. Yeah. You just get you get your ribs, you sit down, you send somebody up one at a time. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. at Taste Chicago, there's no place to sit down. We're going to sit on a statue or a bunch of pigeons that just left the 
stuff that was left over from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I found a very underrated food a couple of years ago. Not that it fills you up that much, but on a hot summer day, I discovered they were selling frozen grapes. And I had never heard of that concept before, but I'm telling you, on a hot summer day, and, they, and the beauty was you paid a couple of bucks, not like some of the other things where it empties your pocketbook. And, you know, you suck on a grape, it can last a long time. The whole bushel of frozen grapes lasted like a, you know, 45 minutes, but not a bad treat, Big Dog. The frozen grape, I was surprised. No, I'm actually surprised that uh, I've never even heard of that, Coach. Yeah. You know, that, that's, okay. Very refreshing. I've never heard, I never heard of it. By the way, I know, uh, don't take, you know, don't take this personally, but I know, uh, or don't take this the wrong way, but you're a pulled pork guy like myself, right? Long-time Absolutely. fan. Absolutely. I had maybe. Maybe the best pulled pork sandwich in my uh, brief existence on this very earth yesterday. Now, that's a bold statement, Coach. Yeah. Where did you get it from? Oh, it's really good. It's called Rail Good Barbecue. Rail Good Barbecue in a little shopping center in Glenview. Not very well known. They just opened up about six months ago, but outstanding. I mean, just you could tell the, the smoky flavor. You know, it had been smoked for a long time. I and mean, what I liked about it, too, is it not only had the pork, but it, like, it had the crunchy part too, like you know, very, little. Oh, blue. yeah, yeah. You got to get the stuff on yeah. around the edges of the yes. pork barrel. Yes. Got to get the stuff in the middle and then scrape off the exactly. edges. Exactly. So sandwich. you get a little. Some That's people, some thing. people probably don't like that, but I'm with you on that. That's a good description of it. The barbecue sauce, very, very good. And then the coleslaw on top. It was not the mayonnaise yucky. It was like fresh coleslaw with a little vinegar in it. It was just outstanding pulled pork sandwich. You have to come pay a visit. Oh, you you put coleslaw on your pulled pork sandwich? Oh, come on, that's a must. No, I don't do that. <sighs> because you always want to add like the vegetables and the rice to your stuff. I just like <laughs> meat and bread. Okay. Uh, but the sure. combination of the cold slaw on top of the the, the hot pulled pork, awfully good. Nah, I like just to have the pulled pork. Awfully good. All right. Yeah. That, the guy I, asked I, me if I wanted a pulled pork. I said, "Pull your own." Took that the wrong way. I gave him a nice tip though. Well, if you're going to make fun of the guy, you might as well do it that way. Thank you very much. All right, 888-463-6748. Anybody who wants to uh, come down to the taste today, look for me amongst the hundreds of thousands of people. I am wearing a bright pink neon faded Gatorade shirt, so I will stand up in the crowd. Feel free to tap me on the back, or uh, if you want to snag one of my frozen grapes, you can do so. Just no groping. No now, if you're going with kids, Coach, that, that's because you have two options. With, well, you have three options with kids at going to the Taste of Chicago. Uh, one is wear something bright so you guys can all recognize each other. Yeah. Okay, which nothing wrong with that. Uh, this number, number two is put your child on one of those child leashes. <laughs> okay. And uh, option number three is losing your child. Okay, those are the uh-huh. three options that you have. So I, I like your option, Coach. I well, like right. Unfortunately, my kids are old enough right now where they'll go with option number four, lose that. Yeah, and and Dad okay. lose the shirt. You know the the theory of the bright shirt so you can be recognized. That was good when they were like five, six, seven, eight, nine. But uh, right now it'll be probably me walking around aimlessly by myself with a pickle on a stick. Which is yeah, not no, a... I, when I'm telling it's the fried pickle on a stick. Yeah. Okay, good. As long as it's the fried pickle on the stick. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why you walk around Chicago for four <laughs> hours because so you can eat. You know, you know, I'm worried about you, Coach. I mean, sometimes you go way too healthy too often. Yes. That's not good for your, your health either. I, I promise. You're always I'm, eating healthy. On your behalf, I'll stop by and get a piece of Eli's cheesecake, okay? Well, well don't, don't eat Eli's. Either eat Mrs. Radwanski's or uh, or eat Cheesecake Factory. Eli's overrated. Okay. All right. But the, the other two options I don't think are available at Taste of Chicago. 
Oh, that's too bad. But you could go to the Cheesecake Factory on the way. It's an interesting thought. Ah, right, we got to get to some baseball action. Baseball fans, you watched some of the games yesterday here in Chicago. Enthusiasm, I'm not going to say rampant, but it's been shot up a couple of notches from an otherwise somewhat moribund summer as our two Chicago teams playing better baseball of late and even uh, on a more fun matter. They're playing against each other starting today at 120, but we got to talk about yesterday's games. Real quick, Big Dog Cubs win their second in a row. You were at Wrigley watching a, uh, a comeback win yesterday, or two days ago. They repeated that performance in 13 innings yesterday. What a ball game. What a clutch comeback for the beloved Cup. 5-2, to two, they win in 13. Yeah, how about the Aramis Ramirez that bad in the bottom of the ninth? You know, everybody's talking about the Soto walk-off home run, which was a crushed line drive. Heck yeah, Gio Soto starting to really get hot over the last uh, like 10 days or so. Right when uh, uh, right when you started complaining about him, my, my roommate Brian's complaining about him. He's, he's got hot ever since, so that's good. Uh, and uh, they have bat with a Ramos Ramirez coach. He threw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball by Brian Wilson right underneath the hands. He gets it, flies it around and gets the head of the bat on the ball and uh, ties the game. So, uh, And then Darwin Barney, great at bat. And, and what's, what's Cody Ross doing, coach? He's a major league. You know, we talked about the Tony Campana throw the day before. This one was a little bit better, but still. Terrible. He was about 120 feet away from home plate when he yep. releases the ball. Yep. And, and at the time, the guy rounding third base had just stepped yep. on third base. I, I, I always know that he's out, and then, you know, he's a yeah. high ball game. So. Well, we've talked about it a long time. It's probably the most declining skill the last 10 years in baseball, and that is the ability of outfield. I don't know if they don't practice it or what it is, but just outfielders throws home. I think back in my days of watching baseball, the players are faster, they're quicker, they're stronger, they hit with more power, the pitchers are better. Every skill I can think of is better. Big deal. I'm telling you, back in the 60s and 70s when I first started watching baseball, the outfielders mm-hmm. could throw home better than they do now. I, you know, I, I believe you. I, I really do. And when I was growing up as a kid, they'd always talk about scouts were always like, oh, if you, the first thing we look at is if you have a good enough arm to play yeah. in the major leagues, because if you don't, it doesn't matter if you can do everything else. Like, wow. Like, that's like the most important tool was the ability to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I never hear scouts talk about that. Now they're like, oh, he's patient. He's got a nice on-base percentage. Yeah, but he's fat, slow, and can't throw. Yeah, but he'll walk a hundred times in a season. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's like the game really has changed, Coach. And I, I couldn't agree more. There's not a big emphasis. I mean, like we're shocked when we see guys like Jose Guillen right now that can throw a BB, you know, from a yeah. like the, the corner to third base. You know, that doesn't happen very often. And it's not just arm strength. It's the ability to throw the ball under duress, if you want to call it that, under pressure with a runner coming home and to throw it accurately. You know, from distance, the guy, the left fielder yesterday, Cody Ross, it was Jeff Baker trying to score. He had plenty of arm. It was not lack of arm strength. It was lack of accuracy and, and lack of composure under yeah, pressure. Yeah, he rushed. Yeah. He totally rushed. He yep. takes his time, sets up, makes a throw to the catcher. Just throw the ball to the catcher. That's all he had to do. He didn't Absolutely. have Absolutely. That's pretty much that sums it up. Um, you know, I think, and you're exactly right about the arm strength and also – you know, it seemed like when I was growing up, late 70s, early 80s, you know, if, oh, he didn't hit the cutoff, man. You got to hit the cutoff, man. You know, they didn't, and then nowadays it's like, wow, dude, what a good throw. He hit the cutoff, man. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like a surprise nowadays yep. when an outfielder actually hits the cutoff, That's man. That's exactly right. I just think it's lack of, you know, they just don't practice it anymore, outfield fundamentals. But the player talking about, and again, Cubs fans are feeling awfully good. You want to check in, dial it up, talk a little Cubs-Sox rivalry. We'll get to some of the other games in just a second. 888-463-6748, our phone number. But, uh, 
uh, in the 13th inning, we're down 2-1, to one, and we were down not only to the final out, down to the final pitch. There yeah. were two outs, nobody on base. Jeff Baker had a two-strike count, down literally their final pitch. Baker doubles, Barney singles, an intentional walk, Soto home runs, an unbelievable comeback at the brink of extinction, Big Dumb. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see this team uh, do stuff like that because you know I do think this team has a future. Uh, you know, obviously not this year, and it's good to see players like Soto and and Barney uh, make big plays. You know, Jeff Baker is going to be here for a while, coach. I, I can really imagine Jeff Baker. I, I want this guy on the roster for 200 at bats a season, and mm-hmm. hopefully 100 percent of them are against left-handed pitchers because he destroys left-handed pitching, coach. So. Uh, it, uh, you know, I, I see with the future, and hopefully Ramos Ramirez can keep on hitting the ball so he doesn't have a future here with the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. We actually saw something from Ramos Ramirez two days ago after the home run, which is very rare, rare, rare to see, and that is him smiling. Oh, yeah, you don't see that very often, no. Coach. No, but no, after, the, uh, after the bum rush at second base when they're all jumping uh, up and down on Ramos, this is two days ago when he hit the walk-off home run. He clears out away from the group with a big smile across Aramis' face. It was great to see. Yeah, it was nice to see. You know, uh, I, I don't want to sit there and bash and pound the guy too much. Hopefully he gets hot and, and you know, the Cubs can get something for him. Because uh, let's be honest, 2003, if the, the Cubs don't win the division, if uh, Ramos Ramirez isn't uh, the third baseman of the Chicago Cubs that year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then in 04, 05, 06, 07, uh, 08, Every one of those years besides 05, when Derek Lee was the best uh, hitter in the National League that year, um, Ramos Ramirez was the Cubs' best offensive player, bar none, period. It wasn't even a question. Besides the one year Derek Lee had where he won the batting title. Yeah. I mean, I was just, honestly, so that guy bashed Ramos Ramirez a lot, and I really am happy to see him hit the ball well, mm-hmm. and hopefully the Cubs can get some for him. Well put, my friend. Well put. White Sox uh, coming into town, or coming into Wrigley Field anyways, with a little of the momentum as well. They beat the Colorado Rockies, second consecutive win. They're down 4-1 after six innings, but they end up winning in 10, 6-4. Juan Pierre, the unlikely star, but the big win for the White Sox. And as you know, Big Dog, they are still, despite being under 500, they're in the hunt to make the playoffs. Yeah, well, they're definitely in the hunt, especially when you consider the fact that nobody wants to run away with uh, the American League Central. Right now, Detroit's up a half a game, and them and the Indians are going to be like the Indians it goes from one and a half to a half a game. It's mm-hmm. been like this for about two weeks now. And the Sox, you know, they were eight, then they were six. Well, now they're four, and they're two games under five hundred. But I do, I love the White Sox philosophy. They keep on saying it whenever they ask them if they're in it. They're like, no, we're not in the race. We won't think about uh, trying to get back in the division race until we get to five hundred. And they keep, it's like they, they got the four, and then they started losing. And then they got the three, and they said, well, now they're at two. So mm-hmm. instead of them, are they going to lose? Or are they going to finally get it to one and then even? We'll find out. The Cubs have a lot to say about that this particular weekend. But that's what it seems like it keeps on happening. They keep getting closer and then they start losing. So as a Cubs fan, hopefully this, this is as close as they get for the, at least the next three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you know, I root for the White Sox, but you're right. The, the three days I don't root for them or the six days I don't root for them is when they play the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I feel like I say this every year, Big Dog, so I hesitate to say it, but I will. But I will, as I look at the division standings, we're getting close to the halfway mark, not quite. Well, Some teams have played 81 games. 79. Oh, yeah, you're right. I we're think about the, the halfway Mets, mark. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mets have played 81 games. So you far. are right. So Not at the All-Star game. game, but we are at the halfway point. Uh, looking at the division races, and again, I think I've said this the last three, four years, sometimes it doesn't happen, but is this a year, Big Dog? Could be. Could be some of the best finishes that we've ever experienced in Major League Baseball. You look at all the divisions with the possible exception of Philadelphia pulling away from a game Atlanta team. The well, other, you, the other remember, divisions, they could go down to the wire. If you remember last year, we it was like pretty good races, and then all of a sudden, if you remember around August fifteenth, I said to you, Coach, this is Mike's going to this is going to be the worst yep. year ever. We're going to have one good race, and if you remember You're how right. wrong I was, because all of a sudden all they, they all tightened back up. It was a crazy year last year, so who, who knows what'll happen? But mm-hmm. I, I really do think the Red Sox are going to start pulling away, and the Phillies pull away. But the other four divisions are going to be good because the Brewers and the Reds and the Cardinals should be able to battle themselves out. And uh, the, well, the White Sox are going to get back in it. And in the American League West, no one's going to pull away. So, And in the National League West, it's going to be the same thing. So I, I, I do think we're going to have a bunch of great years again of a bunch of good races, Coach. Patty from Pittsburgh sending a quick email in. She uh, wants to know why not include Pittsburgh in that uh, picture in the NL East. Well, if Pittsburgh continues to, uh, in the NL Central, if Pittsburgh continues to pitch the way they have the last two, three weeks, mm-hmm. Um, they are absolutely a contender for the playoffs. And, uh, seriously, and I know people like Pittsburgh. No, you can't really know that if Paul Mahomes, Mahalem, whatever the heck his name is, yep. and uh, these guys keep on pitching the way they have. Kevin Correa. Uh, Kevin Correa. I mean, Kevin Correa right now is reminding me totally of Kevin happening. His ERA is like really, really high, but he always figures out how to win games. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Patty from Pittsburgh also puts an addendum in there. Where can we see a picture of Joel's calves, your award-winning calves? I don't know how to answer, Patty, but no, I'm well, sure they're Coach, out there gotta, on the Internet somewhere. They are out there on the Internet, and uh, there's, there's ways to get them. If you actually send me a check in the mail for 25 oh, bucks, stop it. I will uh, email a picture to you. I, you send one for 100 I'll get actually frame it, and it will be an actual picture. I And $101, I'll autograph it. I don't want to speak for Patty from Pittsburgh, but I don't think when she uh, sent that little addendum in, a little dot, dot, dot in, that she was looking to spend any money. Just, you know, maybe a quick glimpse, catch some thrills of uh, the Big Dog's award-winning calves, which have been featured, if you're new to the show, in uh, at least a couple of Muscle and Fitness magazines. Well, oh, I was going to pay her to autograph it. I just wanted to actually say, like, somebody (laughs) actually wanted my stuff. Oh, okay, so I don't have to pay her? No. Good. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no problem. I'll figure it out, Coach. Just you know, send me an email with your address. I'll send a picture to Cass. Yeah, we'll be sure to do that. Uh, all right, outstanding. Let's talk about the game coming up this afternoon. little three-game series. The crowd's expected to be pretty good out at Wrigley Field. Big 4th of July weekend. Everybody festive. Both teams winning of late. Big Duck should be a, uh, even though some of the luster is off of Cub Sox, I think it should be a pretty fun three-game three, uh, three game weekend at Wrigley. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. This is summertime. It's Chicago. Let's let's have a good time. This is the greatest city in the world, and, and maybe our our baseball teams are great this year. But you know what? I just, I'm going to be a Cub fan till the day I die. So every time this series is played, I'm going to be interested. And I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy myself. So now, you know, I, so, I almost got myself fired up and then listening to you, and then I looked at the pitching matchups, and in the illustrious history of the Cub Sox rivalry. Uh-oh. And again, I'm excited about it. But arguably, this could be arguably the most. What word do I use? I don't know. Boring, but Unexciting. No, no, this least, will be. It, huh? This will be. This is the worst Cubs yes. staff. They're well, the worst staff in the major league. It's just a matter of who is drawn for this weekend, too. I mean, here, here's who you got. You got Edwin Jackson 
against Randy Wells today. Phil Umber against Matt Garza tomorrow. That's not bad. Gavin Floyd and Rodrigo Lopez Sunday. That well, that those Saturday's pitching matchups don't have any interest. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, all three games have interest. I'm just saying it's not very sexy the, when it comes to the pitching matchups. So what time is a Sunday game? Is it seven o'clock? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, because I'm just assuming it might be the Sunday night baseball game because, but Rodrigo Lopez not pitching one... on Sunday night baseball. <laughs> Yeah, not exactly jumping up and down for that one. I think it was scheduled to be at 7 o'clock. They saw Rodrigo Lopez scheduled to pitch. It's now scheduled for 1.20. No, it's actually 7 (laughs) a.m. What, they moved Japan and Mexico soccer to 120 for a bigger view? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they absolutely have, Coach. Yeah. All right. We'll be watching anyways. I don't I don't mean to put it down. I'm still excited about the three-game series. Real quick, another baseball act. Oh, we should mention also, Big Dog, the Cubs still, still looking for their first three-game win streak of the year. They're the only Major League Baseball team not to do that. They're going to find it today. Randy Wells is going to give up like 15 hits in five innings. Holds our socks to four runs, but the bat's going to come alive against Edwin Jackson. So Edwin Jackson's only going to give up four hits, but he'll walk eight, and all four hits will be home runs. Cubs are going to get it done today, Coach. Beautiful. Beautiful. We'll celebrate. Three-game winning streak. Get that little monkey off their back. That's become a little bit of a, not major, but a little bit of a psychological thing when they get a two-game win streak. Uh, other games yesterday, Big Dog, Detroit finally cooled off the New York Mets. Mets had, what, 14 one game, 16 the other game. Detroit beats them. Five to two, and who better? Who better to cool off the hottest bats in baseball than your guy Justin Verlander? See, Verlander's totally lucky, Coach. Because he always like look. He, he could have pitched the two days before. He he decides to pitch on the day that the Mets only scored two runs. He didn't <laughs> pitch when they scored fourteen or sixteen. It's amazing, He's a, yeah, isn't it? He always he seems to pitch. Every time he yeah. pitches, every time he pitches, the other team's in a slump. Whenever he doesn't pitch, the other Tiger pitchers have to pitch when the other team's killing the ball. I, Pure luck. Everybody talks about how great he is. That's not so yeah. great. He sounds like a coward to me, Coach. Sheer coincidence. That's what, that's, yeah. that's what we're going with. Yeah. Uh, let's see. New York Yankees. <laughs> Yankees knocked off Milwaukee five to nothing. That's five in a row. CC Sabathia, 13 strikeouts. The Yankees sweep the Milwaukee Brewers, who are in a little bit of a slump. Yeah, well, yeah, they weren't in a slump before they got to the Bronx, Coach. Well, they were. <laughs> They were, and then they weren't. I think they were in a slump, actually. Then they bounced out of it a little bit. But overall, a a mini-funk during the month of June for Milwaukee. Yeah, you got to love the fact that, you know, baseball reaches for anything, but the fact that there is so much history in baseball, you you, you got to love that. And like uh, They were hyping up the fact that this was the rematch of the 57-58 World Series. And, you know, after going back and really studying those two World Series, Coach, that was the, the Milwaukee uh, Braves, Mm-hmm. and the uh, New York uh, Yankees. Those might have been the two best back-to-back World Series maybe ever played. The, the the Braves beat the Yankees in seven games in 57, and then the Yankees came back and beat the Braves in seven and 58. And there was It was just amazing. Watch every game was like down to the wire and late-inning home runs, all this other stuff. It was, was that, um... you got to love how baseball is. They can attach Milwaukee and New York together and tell a five-minute story, and you're totally transfixed by it and be like, wow. So. Yeah, that is cool. It's a tradition of baseball, I think, uh, unlike any other sport. The 57-58 series, would that feature one of my favorite third basemen of all time, Eddie Matthews? Was he playing oh, back absolutely. then? absolutely. Oh, okay. yeah, the Hank Aaron was a you know, really a young, young Hank player Aaron, for yep. the Braves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah, obviously uh, Eddie Matthews playing third base, and then Warren Spahn 
for the Braves. The Braves mm-hmm. had a, Joe Adcock. They had a real good team, a real good team. And, uh, and then obviously the Yankees, you know, Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and all that. And Wagon Ford. It was, <laughs> Yogi who? I'm not sure, Coach. Uh, by the way, in the Milwaukee game, if you're wondering if Ryan Braun was able to keep the 19-game hitting streak alive, he was. He did not only get one hit, didn't only get two hits, he went three for three. So Ryan Braun continues on his hot streak, Big Dog, even though the Brewers got shut out. He went three for three with a walk, and nobody else in the lineup did anything. Yep. You know, and it's, hey, you know, if I'm going to give up, you know, like eight hits in a game, I want four of them to be to one guy. Because I know he's back and if they're not home runs, that means he isn't going to score. So it's all right. Boston knocked off Philadelphia. They avoid the sweep to the Phillies 5-2, to two, so they win one out of three there. John Lester shuts down the Philly bats. And a couple of home runs for Jason Veritek, Boston salvaging a game. I was curious how you thought Boston would pull away. Huh? So you think the Yankees in Tampa Bay will um, step center stage or step off center I, stage? I, I, you know what? And that's a bold statement because normally the American League East comes down to uh, it basically, both te- two teams get in into the into the playoffs, but you got to wonder which one's going to be the wild card, which is the division winner. Mm-hmm. I really think that the, the Red Sox have had so many injuries; they really have not they've underperformed except for Adrian Gonzalez this year. That I think when they get healthy, they okay. start pulling away, Coach. I, okay. I do think that that's superior. Yankees so, uh... tells me Carl Crawford is going to get ridiculously hot in the second half, and if he does. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine. And, you know, Dustin Pedroia is hitting 270, Coach, with seven home runs in the first half. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about how bad Carl Crawford's been. Dustin Pedroia is, is supposed to be a 320 hitter. You know, so there's there's a lot of ground to be made for the for the Red Sox there. And the Yankees have had so many injuries in the bullpen. So we'll see. But the, they're getting good pitching. So, But if Colon and Garcia can continue to do what they're doing, then there will be a race in, in the, for the American League East. Yankees are currently ahead two and a half games. What you say Mm -hmm. about Boston is what a lot of people, including Ozzie Guillen and Kenny Williams, are saying about their Chicago White Sox team. We don't need guys to have career years. It sounds like what you're saying about the Red Sox and what the White Sox to win the division, we just need guys to play up to their normal level, and we'll be Mm -hmm. okay, and we can win this thing. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And if you think about it, Guys on the Red Sox, we talked about how good their lineup is, and I think this is like the best lineup since the. If you, it's so hard to throw those like the Rocky lineups out, but they were playing in Coors Field. It's very hard to like kind of pinpoint that, but uh, even like the late '90 Yankees had some great lineups. So, like when we we've been talking about this coach, and I still think these guys have underperformed. Mm-hmm. So there's, I I really see the Red Sox just dominating in the second half. All right, little bold prediction, uh, not that bold, but uh, an interesting prediction from the big dog as the Yankees are stretching it out right now. But uh, we will see. Second half of the season still to come. All-star game in a couple of weeks. Uh, final baseball round them up and wrap them up note. St. Louis knocks off Baltimore. They get a sweep. Prior to that, the Cardinals were in a big slump, but nobody's pulling away in the National League Central. It's like a horse race where they're just kind of, coasting right now it's going to come down to the stretch run no question about it but cardinals win lance berkman big dog home run left-handed home run right-handed not bad he has 29th multi-home run game in his career and you know this is a guy that you know people thought was done and you know he had a real bad knee he played a whole season on a bad knee and mm-hmm. i think sometimes people got to say well he hit his whole entire life and then all of a sudden one year played a whole entire season on a bad knee Right when the, the day of the season was done, he has surgery on it. I, I am so surprised. Like he, he, 
he didn't get paid that much to play for the Cardinals. Obviously, he got paid a lot more than a teacher or a fireman would, but, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, he signed a pretty low contract. No one believed in the guy. It's not like he had a yeah, he had a down year, but it, he was legitimately coming off the, or played the whole season with an injury. I, so I'm not shocked whatsoever that Lance Berkman right now is having one of the best seasons in the National League, okay. one of the top five seasons without a doubt in the National League so far. There you go. I recall, if memory serves me correct, and more often than not, now my memory does not serve me correct, on our uh, winless morning break softball team, did you not have one game where you switch hit and hit into a double play left-handed one time and then hit into a double play right-handed one time? Not easy to do. So, you, coach, you, you can make fun of me, but when we would lose 24-2, to <laughs> I would have two solo home runs. You were the two, huh? So you can make fun of me on that. I was not the issue on that yeah. particular softball team. Oh, boy. Okay, and, I, and now when we were in the studio, I didn't want to, like, point fingers at people. So I just didn't <laughs> mention it. But listen, that's how it was. There okay. were there were a lot of fingers that could be pointed. David, we played in some softball league against, like, ESPN, a couple other major stations. And uh, the morning break radio show put together a team. The first thing people would ask is, like, Who's WSBC? They never even heard us before. And then they watched us play, and it was like, oh, boy. We, we went from bad to worse. But uh, it probably was arguably one of the worst softball teams ever assembled. No, no, no. I will, I will be more than happy to say that, Coach. I'll be more than – when Brian Bauer was on the team, yeah. it would be nice because I would leave the game off, and I would get a single. And then there would be a ground out by uh, one of the girls, and I'd end up at third after the ground out, and then Brian would drive me in. Uh-huh. And then – we would score like five runs when Brian was, and then when Brian left, we'd only score zero to two runs. <laughs> it was not good, coach. It was, yeah. and you—it wasn't my fault. When I'm in the same league in 2001, the year before I joined your league and your yeah. team, I scored 41 runs in the 10 games for the Sub-Canada <laughs> team. So I don't think it was me, coach. The fact that you kept that statistics a little bit scary. I also recall. I kept everything. I kept my fielding stats. I would. I do that when I play. I come yeah, home and I write down everything I did for that game, and I kept my stats for the whole entire season. That's a little worrisome, quite frankly. But we well, coach, we went ten and zero, won yeah. the two games, and in the championship game against I forget who, um, I did not score a run, and we lost by one, and we lost like four to three in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I did like eat them. As the big dog goes, so goes the team. Wasn't there a very attractive? Not particularly talented, but a very attractive female that played shortstop. And was there not like eight guys that all volunteered to play left field at that point? Um, yes, and I forget which one of Diana Rodino's friends <laughs> that uh, that uh, she invited over. Uh-huh. But I got to tell you something. First, we were like, we're the only people that are the talent, and the producers get to do the show. Then all of a sudden, she showed up. We're like, yeah, we'll take an accountant. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then she had no arm. Where do you want to put her? Someone's like, put her at catcher. And we were like, no, we won't be able to look at her. And she's a catcher. So, yeah, that's, that, that was actually we, that was the best we ever were as a team, those three or four games she was yeah. there, because the guys actually paid like, attention. Some of them started losing weight. Some yeah. of them were actually trying. You know, it was, it was nice, Coach. <laughs> All right, 888-463-6748, our phone number. You want to check in, Big Dog and the Coach at your service. More than happy to take your call, 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you got some great plans out there. Should be a beautiful weekend across the country. Uh, let's see, we covered baseball, Big Dog, but other stories are out there, including, and I alluded to it in the beginning of the show but the Wimbledon tennis tournament is coming to conclusion Maria Sharapova by the way on the female side she will be in the finals for the first time in let's just say a long time well she hasn't won since 04 since 04 but it's, I don't know when the last time she was in the finals but as she's looking 
that's a long time in between titles if she can get one coach yep. in tennis. That that's, that shows you get a pretty good career if you had you know seven years between championships. Playing outstanding tennis, she struggled early, came back and won. She'll be beating a twenty-one-year-old Czechoslovakian seated eight. Petra, what is it, Kivitova? Probably. Oh, butchered, I didn't know who she played, Coach. Butchered that last name, too. But uh, So it's the, the, the two Ovas. we got an Ova meeting an Ova. And by the way, Petra Kivitova, I believe, either engaged or very seriously in relationship with New Jersey Nets forward. Help me out here. Sasha, how do you pronounce his last name? Vujicic. Who? Vujicic. God bless you. But uh, the two of them are, no, I take that back. That's Sharapova. Sharapova. Yeah, I don't know. I was just pronouncing the name for you. I have no idea what the story is. Here. Sharapova and Sasha Vujicic are an item, and I believe engaged to be married. How about that, says Mel Allen. That's getting it done for mm-hmm. Sasha. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. That's getting it done for Maria, too. Sasha. You know, um, I just don't like really tall, skinny girls. Yeah. But that's just as funny as like everybody else. Oh, Sharapova is incredible. I would love to breed with Sharapova. <laughs> Just for I mean, athletic purposes. I just don't huh? think she's as gorgeous as everybody else yeah. says she is. You sound a little bit like Cassius Clay when you went into that, by the way. Oh, I just like to breathe with Sharapova. I didn't sound like Muhammad Ali is more Cassius. Eh, I sound like okay. a, a young Cassius Clay. That was, that was uh, I appreciated that brief moment back in time. You, you uh, know the, the the Louisville lip. It all started with uh, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. He's the one who started calling it Louisville. 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 Yeah. So they, I mean, that man's a trendsetter. Okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Hey, let's not forget tomorrow. Uh, real quick, we don't want to forget the fact that uh, one of the world's great sporting events, at least some people think so, the Tour de France starting and beginning on Tuesday when we resume our show. David, I'm assuming Monday, July 4th, we will not be doing a show. Very good. Tuesday, July 5th. Nope. David's giving me the We might be off the air. It looks like our show is done. Thanks for listening, uh, everybody. Well, Have a great it was day. nice doing it, Coach. And like I said, now that, now that I don't call, remember, it's just because I lost your number. <laughs> Okay, so it was nice knowing you. Beautiful. Tour favorite. de France. The Tour de France starts tomorrow, and we, God willing, when we come back on Tuesday, we will give you stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. I'm uh, mildly excited. It started, though, already, though, Coach. No. Nope. Or it starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, uh, now that hockey is over, the Versus Channel is your place to be if you want to catch up on the cycling highlights. And one thing about bicycling, Big Doe, we said with the possible exception of auto racing, the, the car crashes or the crashes are as violent as any sport. I, I, I will have to say I don't like watching them because I can't tell you how many times an idiot has almost hit me in their vehicle when I'm just driving down the road doing my mind of my own business. Well, not, I shouldn't say mind of my own business because all I do is just stay alert, alert, alert all the time when I'm on that thing. But, yeah, after I don't like watching those. Mm-hmm. So just because, trust me, road rash is not a good feeling. So I can tell you, <laughs> comes so. comes a little bit too close to home when you're watching, huh? Yeah, it does. It All does. Right. It's and now you pick, on bikes is not fun. <laughs> you picked Japan, uh, uh, being our World Cup expert, as our Tour de France bicycling international expert. Uh, do you have any surprise picks? Possibly a Levi Leppenheimer. Um, all I really need to know is. Uh, who's Victor Conte been hanging out with lately? <laughs> give, give me that information. I'm willing to throw some, a bet down. Coach. That's your pick, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. And I think you won. The, uh, the odds are, they're listed in the odds of Victor Conte Associates. They're like, you know, in horse racing where the stable mates are like a package deal. The Victor, yeah. the Victor Conte uh, customers, shall we say, are packaged, and they're uh, three to two favorites to win. Yeah, they, they, used to, they used to let you know if uh, the horse had Lasix in it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what they call Lasix? Yeah, I think so. Uh, 
Uh, do they do that anymore in the horse racing company? Not sure. Because sure. I mean, because the honesty is, they do it in horse racing. Why? Why wouldn't a bike rider do it? Yeah. If somebody told me you take this LASIK, okay, you're going to end up winning the the Tour de France. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to do it, even if you know, even if I wouldn't be able to speak and I started growing a mane on the top of my head. I think it's <laughs> worth it. Anything for the price of victory, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything. Oh, okay. I'm only going to live another week, but for this week, I'm the mm-hmm. Tour de France champion. So. Yeah, little LASIK never hurt anybody. Just don't get addicted. Don't to Imagine it. the partying you can do in a week. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How about, uh, I hate to bring this one up. This is very depressing, but we need to bring it up. Don't want to spend too much time on it, but the NBA is officially locked out their players, and the rumor we're hearing, Big Dog, is it could be an extended version of a lack of NBA basketball. Um, this is the worst deal any ownership team has ever. Fifty-nine percent of the profits go to the players. Seriously, fifty-nine percent of the money goes to the players. What type of? You'll never be a successful business like that. Okay, so the people taking the risk, the people that invested all the money, that uh, are, the, are the ones that are getting forty-one percent of the money. And this just makes no sense to me. The players have to give money back, big time, big time. And, okay, so there's there's debate over how many teams in the NBA are losing money. I'm sure a lot are. Who knows how many of, like, you know, the players, you know, have said anywhere from two to five to eight, and the owners are claiming 22. I can't imagine how any of them make any money the way this, the way, the way the league is set up. And so the players are going to have to start giving a lot of money back. You know what the average salary is in the NBA, Coach? Guess what it is. Uh, let me guess. Now, keep in mind, the NBA rosters are a lot smaller well, than any other sport. So it's a lot harder to make the NBA just on sheer numbers. I am going to say average salary, $2 million. The average salary is $7 million. It's over wow. $7 million. Average. Average. That's unbelievable. So basically every team is putting out more than $85 million yeah. in payroll yeah. just to their players. Yeah, And, and again, you could preface it by saying – well, you know, weak NBA players shouldn't be making that much money. Anybody who makes the NBA is the elite of the elite of the elite. So mm-hmm. you can you could say you're weak, but you're still the best of the best and deserve to get paid. But you don't deserve to get paid that much. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially mm-hmm. in in this particular economic climate, mm-hmm. don't need that much money. Yeah, not to so, play a game of basketball. You didn't you didn't risk you know your livelihood. Okay, that's that's. that's that's, that's the biggest difference between like an owner and the player in the situation. You know, it, it's you know in the NFL, they're debating whether the players should get forty-eight or forty-six percent of the money. Okay, in baseball, it's like around the same deal. The baseball is almost fifty-fifty if the, the way the the it's broken down. Hockey is way sway towards the owners, but they really needed it because there's uh, fourteen too many hockey teams in the NHL, so they really have to figure out a, like something that is good for the owners in, in that mm-hmm. league, but. Uh, the players better give something back, and I'm telling you this straight up. Right now, Charles Barkley was right. The more I, I I've learned about this over the last couple of days, the owners are willing to shut down the whole entire season. And, and as a Bulls fan, you couldn't hear anything worse because there's no team set up better for next season than the Chicago Bulls are right now. So as a Bulls fan, as a basketball fan, it's got to tick you off. But if you're a basket, if you're a true basketball fan, you can you can watch Illinois, Purdue, or Wisconsin, Ohio State, or you know Kentucky taking on Florida, and be like, you know what, this is good enough for me. But as a diehard Bulls fan, this is one of the worst years you could ever have a lockout right now. This is the think about it, in 1999 when they were deciding whether or not the Bulls were going to come back, you know, and try to go for a four peat. They they just thought about a lockout. 
well, we're not coming back. So two lockouts could possibly cost the Bulls big time. Because the one in 99, the, the Bulls would have come back if there was no lockout. I really, truly believe that. But when they were like, there's definitely going to be a lockout, Jordan's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to sit around for this. So he left. Could be bad timing uh, for the kids that left college early to go to the NBA for their big paydays. If, in fact, they lose the season, here's a bunch of guys going to be sitting around making zero money when they could have been playing in front of, uh, you know, 15, 20, 25,000 fans and enjoying uh-huh. maybe a final year of their college career. I don't know if that figured into their thinking, but uh could be an unfortunate circumstance there for those kids. No, you know, I, I didn't have a feel for what was going to happen to basketball. I know there's going to be a football season, Coach. So anybody, I know that they, oh, it was a bad day yesterday. They'll, they'll figure it out. So there's going to be a baseball season or football season for these guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. The basketball one, I don't know. I really don't know unless the players are really willing to just be like, okay, we're making too much money right now. And in, in order for the league to actually remain afloat, we're going to have to take uh, reductions in salary. I mean, they might ask them to everybody in the league take a 25% cut in their pay, which I don't think is going to happen, Okay, but they might ask that, Coach. Yep. That's the type of stuff that we're dealing with right now. Bottom line is, however it turns out, the NFL and the NBA uh... – now, however it turns out, most of the fans don't know the details. They're all going to make a lot of money, and uh, the fan gets uh, basically screwed in the end because we, you know, the t- ticket prices inevitably go up. The commercial breaks for an NBA All-Star game are not two minutes anymore. They're up to about four minutes. We get to see advertising all over the middle of games. We get to see sponsorship reads, and it affects our enjoyment of the game. So the players will make their money however it comes out. The owners will make their money, and once again, it will be the average fan that will, I don't know if you want to use the word suffer, that might be a little bit strong, but we'll be the ones put at a disadvantage. You know, uh, it's funny that you said that, Coach, because the other day uh, when we got the good tickets for the Cub game, and you called me the ombudsman. So uh, these are really good, the high price tickets. And I start talking to people in the in my section. Okay, three of them were Cub fans. Everybody else, oh, I'm from, I'm from Michigan. I live here in the city of Chicago. I work for Boeing. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. I'm I'm from so and so. Everybody, the whole entire area. Yeah. Every there was, you know, the people checking their phone. Oh, what are the Red Sox doing? Like, do you see the scoreboard up there? It has every single game. They're playing Philadelphia. They're losing mm-hmm. two to one. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so. It's, it's, the it's, whole area was it's just customers going to the game. Wigs, and none of them really yep. were even watching Tim Lincecum and Ryan Dempster pitch. You know, a zero zero game into the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're exactly right, Coach. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't like. The people right in front of us, diehard Cup fans, diehard Cup fans, mm-hmm. hanging on every pitch. It was pretty cool. So yeah. I was like, all right, so we got this little triangle of uh, of people who really care about this game and a bunch of other people just getting – again, there's one drunk idiot next to me. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't want to get started with him. You gotta, you Sox, gotta, man. Sox fans just sitting there ripping the cup. you got to have one of those guys in every section. What would a game be without the drunk fan? You don't necessarily have to have him sitting next to you. But uh, the one drunk fan in the crowd—that's you know—that's part. Well, of no, that. I was I was the drunk fan. I just wasn't sitting there oh. bashing the cup, you know, as a white Sox. <laughs> that's that's why you're always close to the drunk fan because you're usually the drunk fan, huh? That's that's, that's one way to solve <laughs> yeah, the mirror. One way to solve that problem. The other thing I'll say about the uh, the finances, and I don't know all the details. We haven't gone into it. I'm very proud of the fact we haven't discussed it too much here on our show. But I have said that the one thing they need to not eliminate but lower is the price tag, the amount of guaranteed money coming into first-year players, be it NBA rookies or NFL rookies, you know, make them at least perform at that level so that they can earn the big bucks. It's funny that you say that, Coach, because the NFL wants to structure a rookie salary cap. Good. And and the players are, are, are open for it because 
the players are also sick of people like Jamarcus Russell getting $15 million, mm-hmm. while a guy that's a guard that has played eight years in the NFL, they have to cut him because they, they, the $2 million that they're going to have to pay him will put him over the cap because they had to pay $15 million to a rookie who's never thrown a ball before. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time, and the, the players are aware of that. And they realize that the, an NFL team is still going to spend $90 million on their payroll next year, but if they were able to give $1 million more to three guys right out instead of giving a, some rookie some ridiculous amount who's never taken a snap, then it makes sense. So even to the players, it makes sense. Do you see what I'm getting at, Coach? Yep. Because a lot of times it used to be back in the day, it would be like, well, if the rookies get paid a lot, it'll drive up everybody else's contracts. Well, what they didn't realize with the salary cap and a bare minimum on a salary cap, which means the team has to spend that much anyways, if you're giving a gigantic chuck to a guy who's never played, then guys who've been in the league for years end up getting it in the end. So it took them, it took it took these guys a whole entire collect uh, like contract to realize their mistake because the owners wanted it last time, and now the players want it too. So that's like that's done, coach. It'll well, be done. It will be it'll, it'll be more structured. So the the Raiders will not lose fifty million dollars on Jamarcus Russell ever again, mm-hmm. even though. You remember when he got maybe the difference might be the difference might be that uh, they're both in agreement that the big bucks should not go to those uh, incoming rookies who haven't played an NFL game yet. The difference though would be maybe the owners want to save that money where the other players are saying, no, 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 take that money, that same amount of money, let's redistribute it to some of the veterans, i.e., the seventh-year backup uh, right guard. Yes, you know, and that is the issue: is how much what the salary cap is going to be. That's the whole issue, coach. But everybody agrees that rookies are getting paid too much. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's fine with me. I have no problem with that. I would much rather see guys earn their money. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's that's being brought up, because you brought up two things, the NFL does not have the guaranteed contract. And in the NBA, that's exactly what they want. You get a signing bonus, and then the rest of your contract you have to earn, which is the NFL has a set up so great. If you really want a guy, you've got to go pay him a large chunk of money. Okay, you just signed that contract. Well, to earn the rest of that money, you have to earn the rest of that money. The, the way the football is set up is beautiful, Coach. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So. Big dog and the coach uh, with you up until 11 o'clock, folks, and 11 o'clock is rapidly approaching. Big dog, we will be off on Monday. It's three days without you. I find a, uh, just you know a two-day weekend without talking to you be a difficult experience. We'll have to deal with an extra long weekend. But uh, you got any big 4th of July plans out there? Hopefully you won't be getting in too much trouble. I have to warn you each and every time. Uh, I'll be paddling today, Saturday and Sunday. And on Saturday night, Coach, I'll be going to Monica at the most wedding. Coach, all i got to say is, oh, that's the... I mean, there's there's going to be so much talent there. It's unbelievable. Luckily, I'll be going with my girlfriend. Yes. So luckily, will be there. So luckily, I like that 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 choice of terms. Oh, well, behave yourself at the wedding when you say you'll be paddling. You'll be out on the Chicago River giving tours, right? We might have some new listeners that uh, might be interested heading down to the city, getting a tour, of the architectural tour of the city via a kayak and uh, what is it? Waveriders.com. Waterriders.com. One R. So waterriders. Okay. I'm going to spell it. Dot com. Ask for the big dog special. All right. Okay. We'll and do it anytime you get a group of at least eight, and we'll get you a special price. And Monday through Thursday, sometime if you want to do it during the week, you pay full price, and mm-hmm. it's a good time had by all. And it's not just architecture, Coach. I tell you the history of the city of Chicago, and it's extremely entertaining. <laughs> and uh, remember to tip your waitress. We have to remind everybody on that. Uh, do you take walk-ups? 
Absolutely take walk-ups. So, uh, so you don't have to call Thursday, for... Fridays, and Saturday, I mean, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So mm-hmm. if you want the walk-up, you want the big dog special. Okay. Get 80, 8, 8 to 20 of your friends, you'll have a time of your life. All right. Now, are people allowed? We've had questions from some of our emailers at Mike2GuysAOL.com. Could people bring food and or beverage upon these kayaks? Uh, without question, you definitely can. And uh, to everybody who does not love their life, feel free to drink <laughs> alcohol. Feel free to drink alcohol if you want to die and drown in the river. We have no problem with that, Coach. Did you sign a release form? I'm an okay. idiot. I, I was drunk canoeing. Speaking of which, I, I was out umpiring last night in a major lightning storm. I don't know where it was. Were you? So you know, oh, the I, was, lightning... I was at Union Park, and we I I I, I stopped the game. Yeah, I was, I'm done. I'm, I'm not letting one of you guys die out here. So Come we... on, let's play. You can play that. Go ahead. Well, we we had to stop the game because they installed these high techno automatic siren things that go off, but. You had like you know anywhere from seven to fifteen players, adults, family members out playing on the swings, playing in the playground. I mean, it was like a lightning storm out there. Like, what? What the hell is wrong with you people? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Coach. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, it's know, a softball game. <laughs> let's, let's stay safe. Hey, quick, I don't need to get zapped. I had an umpire question for you. Darn it, but I can't remember it now. It's gonna. Tap your expertise. All right, we got to wrap up the show. Dog, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Tuesday, assuming David Olson still lets us do this show. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. I love America. There it is. God bless. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Tuesday at 10, we'll be back at it again. David Olson, phenomenal job all week long. Randy Myers as well. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com signing off. We'll see you Monday at 10, and don't, or Tuesday at 10. Don't be late.